now we continue with the Fanny Awards nominations. We go towards the male side here a little bit, right? So where do we want to start off here when it comes to some of the men's uh, categories? Well, uh, let's go ahead and start with and start with the men's team head coach of the year. That's where we started with the women. Let's start the, let's do the start the same with the men. So the nominees for men's team head coach of the year are Gus Malzahn, football, Johnny Dawkins, men's basketball, Bryce Waller, men's golf, and John Roddick, men's tennis. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we'll go real quick here. Roddick obviously had a lot of injuries, kind of made a late run in men's tennis, got within a win away from making the NCAA tournament with a lot of youth. Really a bright future for the Big 12. Uh, Bryce Waller once again gets a couple players into the NCAA tournament uh, with men's golf. Then you got Johnny Dawkins, who led the team to the NIT. I'm going to give you the Dawkins case here. He didn't have C.J. Walker pretty much for the whole year. Didn't have Darius Johnson for about 40% of the year. Had injuries before the year. Never had a full roster. And yet was able to manage a 19-win season and make the NIT and beat Florida in the NIT, gets to the second round. Uh, that's my vote. I don't really think this should be close. But yet, as we have debated internally on the staff, based on our Slack conversations, which has gotten a little emotional with the voting, uh, there's a big case main bay for Gus Malzahn, who did win nine games and get the American to the conference championship in football side. What? Give me your quick thoughts here, starting with you, Nick, on this category. It's a tough one. Like you, you, uh, you listed uh, Coach Dawkins there. Another thing that should be added: he was able to recruit Taylor Hendricks, our first ever lottery pick. That should give him some points, in my opinion, with Gus Malzahn. Not only did he lead him to nine wins in the conference championship game, he did it with a lot of injuries, and he had some big wins over two ranked opponents in Tulane and Cincinnati. So they got the arguments there. You you also have the transfer portal case, though, to make with Gus Malzahn as well, because he did bring in John Rice Plumley, Jason Johnson, Javon Baker, Kobe Hudson. You know, he um the the uh, he just like Johnny Dawkins, both both Gus and Dawkins have done pretty great jobs this for sure. With the transfer. Yeah. Really, yeah. it really it, what's interesting. I think you could argue the men's basketball is basically similar to two years ago when football beat Florida in the Gasparilla Bowl and Gus won the bannies that year. I think you can make the case for Dawkins. Yeah. The argument for Gus is he got him to the conference championship game, had played with two quarterbacks basically, get to the championship game. Uh, I would go Dawkins. Some would go with Gus. Some might perceive this. I mean, the thing that kind of has me against voting against Gus is the month of November was not very good for football. Right. But at the same time, they were within a win away of a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, well, I think the winner's going to yeah. – They yeah, won that no, game. It'd probably be unanimous. Gus, sure. But. Uh, one of the, I think the winner is going to come out of one of these two, but we'll see. Never know. Bryce Waller did get a couple golfers in tennis. We mentioned the rebuild there as well. Next category, Bryce. Next up, we have the assistant coach of the year. We have three nominees here. First up, we have defensive coordinator of the football team, Travis Williams. For the baseball team, we have hitting coach who he stayed on the staff despite the head coaching change, Ted Tom. And then with the men's basketball team, you have with the men's basketball team, you have Coach Norris. So three, just Kevin Norris, yeah, yeah, Kevin Norris, former Miami Hurricane assistant, there runs helps with the guards, which obviously C.J. Kelly and Theo Horton, uh, good production there. That's the case to be made there. Travis, obviously on the defensive side, reigning the defense quarter, was the winner last year. And then Ted Tom, Nick, 
was the hitting coach for this historic UCF offense, which shattered the records for single-season home runs, single-game home runs. I mean, you name it. Yeah. I mean, you can. there's a couple things from the baseball team you can complain about. Hitting is not one of them. That was their biggest strength this year. He was in charge of that. So there you go. That that should give you give some. That's what you need an idea we're voting for there. Thirty times. So to really put this into perspective, the previous home run record was sitting at about seventy eight. I think is what it was. This UCF team finished with a hundred and nine home runs this year as a team. There. The, the the power, the breakout in power we've seen in some of these hitter hitters has been a sight to behold. And you can really and you can and Ted Tom is the one responsible for those sorts of things. When you when you are able to stay on the staff after a head coaching change, it shows how invaluable you are. Daryl Wyatt back a few years ago survived the head coaching change from the head coaching change back then from uh, Josh Heupel to Gus Malzahn at, because of how good that those wide receiver groups are. And I think the same thing applies here. There is a reason that this UCF baseball team and Rich Wallace wanted to keep Ted Tom with them and that, and his expertise with this hit, with this hitting coach, they want that power to continue going to the big 12, to the big 12. It's just an asset they this program really needs and they can build off of going from from a really good year from that perspective last year what is next all right next up we have men's breakout athlete of the year from the football team rj harvey from the baseball team catcher andrew sundin catcher and designated hitter from the men's golf team we have lewis carrera and from the men's tennis team we have bogdan pavel well, R.G. Harvey was big. I mean, obviously coming back from an injury, Blossom, some argued, was maybe the best all-around running back on the roster, really outperformed Bowser. Some would argue that on the football side. He was tremendous. Andrew Sundin continued his stellar play, added some power. What was it, Bryson? He went from four home runs last year to like 16 this year? Five, to 16. Five yeah. to 16 home runs. Really if it wasn't for Ben McCabe, Andrew Sundin would have been the MVP of the team. We'd probably be talking about Player of the Year. Might be talking about him for Male Athlete of the Year. But, but you know, Ben McCabe. But he had an incredible season uh, for this offense. Was a big part of it, and can always count on him. As Greg Lovelady used to say, can get out of bed and get a couple of hits. Right. So uh, there. But Bryson, give us an idea about Lewis Carrera for those that do not know. So Luis Carrera, so Luis Carrera ended up coming on to the scene a couple of years ago, transferred in, and he did not exactly have the best year in his for in, in his first in, in his first year as a transfer here. But through the offseason, he competed in the Latin American and he competed in the Latin American amateur and really put and really put everyone on notice. He had a really good performance there and he took that momentum with him into the season where he ended up shooting a 72.60 scoring average which is one two three four five six seven that is the that right there is the it right there is one of the top 10 single season scoring averages in program history the guy the, the guy managed to bounce the bounce back and, and and bounce back and get this and get the sixth lowest 71.21 scoring average right there i mean just one of the best, one of the best seasons in men's golf history from a top end perspective, and he did that after bouncing back from, I would argue, a kind of a to be desired 
year from the year before that. He also got a win in the Harper Hawks Invitational by about five strokes in what, what was one of UCF men's golf's best scoring performances of its program's history. So for uh, history, that's the case there for one Lewis Carrera. He also made the NCAA regional alongside Johnny Travale and did quite well there, did better than him actually in that one. Uh, as for Bogdan Bavel, we've known him as a doubles player throughout his career. We've known him as a doubles player. He's been playing with Trey Hildebrand, Trey Hildebrand gotten to rank as high as number three in the country at one point. This year, though, he really showed what he was capable of in singles play. He was the in a team um i remember talking with them um he told he told me the freshman the freshman called him grandpa it was uh it, it was a very it, it, it he had to fill that leadership on that role on this team as as the one senior on it and he ended up taking that number one spot and doing quite well with it he ended up d- doing quite well in singles play at singles play and he all but he still didn't lax in doubles play he partnered up with Leighton Kranji and they got to the NCAA men's doubles championship at the USDA national campus and managed to make it pretty solid you know they got a, got, got a couple wins there so uh, Bogdan Bavel right there solid solid breakout for him in the singles play department and singles play department. And then, of course, we have Andrew. And then, of course, you mentioned Andrew Sundin. Uh, Nick, you got to see a few baseball games this year. What what can you say about watching Andrew Sundin out there? He was so good. Every time I was covering a game, it felt like I was always asking to talk to him. Simple as that. He had a great year. I don't know what else. He, you guys kind of took it. Pretty much, right? Yeah. Had a great year. P- performed all the time. He's uh, tremendous and could be the face of this program moving forward into the big 12. All right, what's oh, next, yeah. Bryson? Next up, we have men's senior of the year. Here we go. The, from the men's soccer team, we have Mauricio Villalobos. From the football team, we have Isaiah Bowser and Samuel Jackson. But two entries there for the football team. From the men's tennis team, Bogdan Pavel. From the baseball team, the new home run king, Ben McCabe. And from the men's golf team, Johnny Travali. So we mentioned we oh. mentioned Bogdan, we mentioned Bogdan Pavel earlier. Men's freshman, all the freshmen on the team called him Grandpa. Uh, we mentioned him in the last award. So rewind, see what they see what you did there. That's the case for Bogdan Bogdan Pavel. But Eric, thoughts on Jackson and Bowser? Well, I mean, Jackson was the, one of the, the leader on the offensive line. I'll never forget the Navy game. He was the one who would always take the tough questions. Would be in the podium. Solid guy. Bowser, the tough guy, would do the little things out of the backfield. Uh, So I think to me, those two football guys, well represented, very very legit uh, as the seniors leaders there, without question, without question, a big part of that. And then, you know, Ben McCabe, Nick, speaks for itself. Historic year, second, maybe the second greatest season any UCF baseball player offensively has ever had behind only Chris Duffy 2010. Super valuable to always a great guy to talk to, easy going to talk to, mm-hmm. even with even with all the pressure, right? Is chasing the yep. career home run record. He was so calm. I was just saying, I felt like I was always talking to Andrew Sundin. There's only one person I felt like I was asking to talk to more. That was him. But I think the thing that shows how good he was is just, I mean, look at the list. How many All American, how many people named him as an All American? Like, how many All American lists did he get put on? It was like three or four, right? Right. All, yeah. Very right. I kept, I felt like every time I was opening up Instagram, I'm like, oh, cool. He got selected to another one. Just a great year. One of the, one, not only one of the best seniors, one of the best players, period, 
of this uh, of this year. I'll just say that there's a reason that Eric and I rated him. Uh, there, it's up on the banner at the website now. There's a reason we ranked him among the top fifty at fifty athletes of all time. Did you mm-hmm. see that? for male athletes of the year, uh, career wise? Yeah, absolutely, top fifty. And then uh, Bryce said it seemed like every UCF men's soccer post game, a lot of times you'd be talking to the captain and Mr. Villalobos. That indeed we did. Men's soccer, it was an unfortunate year for men's soccer. In a very supersized American, it was just a very tough go at it. But every time we w- I, I would be at a game, we would see Mauricio Villalobos trot out there and answer questions like a champ. He was out on the court, he was out on the pitch the entire season, a lot of the season. He was the set, he was second on the team in men's. He was out there all the time. He was tied for the team lead with Gino Bibi in assists with five of them he even got a goal for himself that year uh, this season as well so ben uh, mauricio villalobos has always been a leader on this team he's been captain for like three seasons now it feels like it feels like he's been captain this team for so long and really the fact that he held that title for so long i think really it really shows his leadership abilities and then on the golf team we have johnny trevally he has been a pillar of consistency for this team he has been to the to the ncaa regional he's been to the ncaa regional now for several seasons in a row whether it's with the team with for three seasons whether it's with the team or individually he has been at that ncaa regional and he and he ended at his time at ucf he has the lowest career scoring average in program history with 71.52 career scoring average average that the men's golf might have gone through its struggles in getting to the ends regional over the course of the last couple of years but johnny travali he was he was there whether it was an individual or with the team he was there leading the team the entire way and that is what a senior should do all right what's next all right next up we have men's freshman of the year um well considering one of the this is going to be a very interesting award to talk about because there's one guy on here that i think everybody's going to be looking at but the nominees are from the men's soccer team goalkeeper juan v munoz from the football team kicker colton boomer from from the men's tennis team yasin delimi and a team full of freshmen yasin delimi gets the nomination there from the baseball team, shortstop Drew Ferrow, and from the men's basketball team, the lottery pick himself, Mr. Taylor Hendricks. All right. Well, we don't need to talk about Taylor Hendricks much in this particular category because he's going to pop up again later on that, in more categories. So I think we that speaks for itself, obviously, the impact he's had in UCF basketball uh, with the season there, helping him get to the NIT. Colton Boomer, big impact, really settling down that kicking situation for UCF football. I thought that was very important. Get some consistency out there. Drew Farrow had a one of the better freshman years for a baseball player. Unfortunately, now he's at Florida State. He's transferred out. But at, well, what was it, Bryce? It set the freshman record home runs for a shortstop, right? Yes, he did. He did. So he was tremendous uh, there. Uh, give me a quick couple quick words on the other freshmen there, Bryce. One, uh, the fact the goalkeeping position at UCF men's soccer and women's soccer as well, but in men's soccer are both very hollow positions. It takes a very, it takes a high level of talent to get selected to be the starter for that team. And Juan V. Munoz, a freshman, ended up getting tabbed to the job. He started all 13 matches, played uh, matches, and got 48 saves. Just you know, it, it was a tough go, go, go about it, but he really took it, it took it, took one for the team right there, getting in there and manning the net. For them at at the men's soccer team, 
Then of course we have Yassine Delini from the men from the men's tennis from the men's tennis team. He was he let he basically led the way for the freshmen. This is a team. This was a team full of freshmen, and he led the way from. He had the best record uh, among the among the freshmen for him, and he was it put in some very difficult and some very high pressure situations playing kind of in the mid courts right there. So very well done out of Yassine Delini. You'll out of out of Yassine Delini, and honestly, I think that. If Taylor Hendricks were not here, then this would be a this would be a very uh, I think a very uh, st- a very a very stacked award and very uh, jostling for positions type. But yeah, we have a feeling we know who's going to win this one. Let's Taylor move Hendricks. on. Let's move it on to the next category. All right, next up we have men's transfer of the year from the baseball team. We have Najir Victor from the men's basketball team. We have C.J. Kelly. And then from the football team, we have three transfers from the football team. John Rice Plumley, Jason Johnson, and Javon Baker. You know, obviously we'll start with the football guys. I mean, JRP is in this unique category. He also comes up a lot in this uh, portion. Uh, football and baseball, his contributions there. But Nick, Najir Victor was one of the few bright spots in the pitching staff. Mm-hmm. kind of established himself as the year went on to one of the more important guys coming out of the bullpen in a high leverage situation there. Yeah, he was really reliable. Every time we brought him out, I was a little more comfortable. He was very good at getting us out of, uh, you know, bad situations. He was able to settle down games where we were maybe, maybe struggling. He was the kind of pitcher that I wished we we had more of this season. That's all I'll say. <laughs> yes, I think you speak for a lot of people there. Uh, Bryce, go through the rest of the uh, nominees there. So so you mentioned John Rice Plumley, Jason Johnson from the football team. He ended up him he ended up coming in and he was just he was a tack he's the type of tackler that I honestly think we haven't seen at UCF for a very long time. He had 129 tackles. The, this year that's a single season number in the tackles i haven't seen in a good bit here at you at you probably the best defensive player really consistency wise uh on that roster at the end of the day defensively. oh yeah and considering linebacker is a very big position yeah. in ucf i mean he big, really big, filled, big, that, big. filled that aber right that was a big question mark going to the season absolutely yes then you have javon then you have javon baker and uh, for me I think the the big standout moment for Javon this year, year you know fifty six receptions for seven hundred ninety six yards, five touchdowns. I, I think the big the big thing for him was that one catch that he had in the war on I four. I still remember that one that helped open the door for the holy holler on that one drive. I would argue it's actually a better catch and a more uh, important catch than the holler one because without that catch, the holler play doesn't happen. Uh, plus UCF was in position there anyway, but yeah, I, I that was impressive. Yeah, big catch. But yeah, he he ended up leading the team there. Uh, but he really was a team. Ended up becoming a team leader in that first year when it in that first season when it comes to receiving yards. He even outdrew Ryan. He ended up outdoing Ryan O'Keefe in that department. So a uh, very key transfer of the, a transfer there for the foot for the foot for the football team. And then we have C.J. Kelly. I mean. In a in, in a roster that was full of transfers, we thought that the you know the guards were looking pretty solid, but then uh, Darius Johnson got hurt, and then all and we see C.J. Kelly just absolutely go ham. We saw him get thirty points against East Carolina, Florida, the, that Florida NIT match just 
absolutely ki- killed. Well, I go back to the SMU match in the quarter game. I keep calling it a match, Jesus. A quarterfinal match, uh, first round against uh, in the uh, American, where he ran, the offense went through him. He ran the offense. He was not a point guard when he came here. He kind of converted into one because of the injury to Darius Johnson, Johnny Dawkins said, so he could play the point and play the two by the time he was down here. And he was as clutch as it gets. I think he was arguably, at times, the best player on the court, uh, definitely a second-best player. Uh, he was an unsung hero for this basketball team, no doubt. All right. So that it. So there we go. So that you got none of these guys, by the way, played two sports like John Rice Plumley, which we'll get into more as this goes uh, develops. Next up uh, to our next award, we have the men's game of the year. This is another one where we kind of have a favorite emerging, but there are there have been some really good games out of the men's team and men's teams this year. From the football team, we have the Cincinnati homecoming win. For, also from football, the Tulane win, the the Tulane victory. From the baseball team, you have their first game of their sweep against Clemson, where they uh, their sweep against Clemson, where they won four to two. Then also from baseball, you had the eight home run slugfest of North of North Florida, where they broke the team record right there. They broke the team home run record in that game right there. And then men's basketball, you have the double overtime thriller against Penny Hardaway and the Memphis Tigers. Mick, you were at the baseball game against North Florida where they set the record for single-season home runs and the individual home run record. Mm-hmm. Mick, what's your thought? What do you re- reflect from that game? The most fun I've ever had at a, at a UCF baseball game. It's just – it was nonstop entertainment. We were – I was watching – I remember we were texting. We were like, oh, my gosh, they can break this record. Oh, hey, they broke the record. Oh, wait, they can break another one. It was just – constant action it was fun it was a game i was so happy that i got to be at simple as that meanwhile they also had that that game one against clemson though i mean look in the baseball year t season that was really really rough that sweep against clemson i think really put a lot of wind in this baseball team's sails and it all started with that game one with that game one ucf gets up ahead you know, it gets up ahead in the second inning, 2-0. Clemson's able to make their way back with a run in the third and then a run in the fifth. And then in the top of the ninth inning, UCF ends up getting to get – Well, I remember the game got suspended to the next day to, because of weather. Yes. So they kept off in the ninth inning. UCF plumly led off that inning. They would come back and win that game. They would score two in that inning, win it 4-2, to two, and set the tone for a sweep for over Clemson, which we thought was going to take this team off to a special different year, unfortunately – that was not the case. That's now football. Well, you know, it was quite the game. It was quite the game. And it well, led to Clemson's big coach. Uh, and then it led to Clemson's coach calling us mouthy and complaining. Coach Backage, yeah, yeah, about how they ran over the yeah, whatever the Clemson people. A uh, couple football games of note there. You mentioned Cincinnati. That was a big game. You know, used people wondered, hey, you know, can, you know, they had just lost East Carolina recently before that a couple weeks and. Cincinnati was the ranked team. If you lose this game, you're pretty much out of the race in the American. And where is this program and all that? JRP gets hurt, gets a concussion, basically. Mikey King comes in relief, plays well. UCF scores in the final seconds, pulls off an incredible win against Cincinnati. Great game at the bounce house for sure. Then UCF comes back to two, uh, later in the season to Tulane. JRP returns as the starter, runs all over Tulane to win that game. And I really thought at that point, this is the team to beat in the American. Unfortunately, uh, that would not be the case with their uh, following uh, performances. But those two football games 
certainly the memorable games for UCF in 2022 uh, in their final year, the American. That Cincinnati game, that place was rocking at the bounce house for sure against the Cincinnati team that was a rival considering Luke Fickle and those guys were kind of the at the at the really giving UCF fit. So that was just, but let's be real. The game of the year in the men's side, you got to go to men's hoops, right? Like the Memphis, UCF, again, we say UCF Memphis, we're going to miss having these Memphis games in various sports because they provide drama and excitement. And boy, this men's basketball game. Where were you? I will ask both of you, where were you when when this game took place? And what do you remember from it? We were there. We were there together. That was my, fr- and I also remember that was my first week with the banneret. Right? Is that right, Bryson? You and Nick were together. That's right. In the, we, in the media section, right? Wow. That's right. We were there. It was. I'm t- the. I'll tell you what the in, the environment in the in the edition arena that was one of the best environments I've seen for a basketball game. I mean, ben, Memphis is a great. This I think this was really a coming out party for this UCF men's basketball team that I don't that I don't think a lot of us really gave a lot of like high expectations towards because of how much turnover they had. They may have had that Oklahoma State win, but they had CJ Walker for that game. For this one, they didn't have they didn't have CJ Walker. They didn't even have Darius Johnson either for this one. Darius Johnson was injured coming into that game. They didn't have either one of those ret- of those returning players. So this was so this and t- this for this this game was basically won by the by returner Ty Freeman and then everybody else that was brand new to the stage. Ethel Horton, Brandon Suggs, Jalen Young, Taylor Hendricks, Lahat Tune. Um and they had to they had to just go all out for the for this. It was close the entire way through. UCF got the UCF gets the edge at the at the end of the first half. Memphis gets it an edge and ties it gets the edge in the second one to tie it. You tie it. The, the, both teams only get nine points in the first overtime. The defense absolutely on display. And then you have this the, the shootout that was that second overtime, that second overtime with UCF barely getting ahead by three points in order to take the win. I mean Oh man, I have I have never seen a double overtime basketball game in person before, and so to see that happen right before my eyes at Edition Financial Arena, that was that was an experience to be had. That was my second my second ever game working with the Banneret. I'm like, oh my gosh, is it always going to be like this? And while it's never been that crazy, that's still one of my greatest memories and one of the funnest things I ever got to beat, go to, and I hope to see more games like it. Let's always, move on. What's the next category? It was always going to be like this, and I feel like we should. You should probably uptake your heart, your heart, you know, your heart palpitation medication right there. Um, Eric, what do you think about that? What do you think about the the Memphis game from your perspective? Oh, on I will. Yeah, I um, will never forget. You guys were there. The scoreboard or the uh, tape score, the score confusion, where the they had the wrong score in the table or something. There was a big back and forth. I'm listening to Mark Daniels on the call, and he is yelling like it's not right. He keeps track of the score. It looked like he was ready to fight somebody. It was chaotic. They're like, wait, are they going to take a point away from UCF? They're not going to give them that point. They finally figured it out. They gave UCF the point. Um, but UCF was shorthanded, as you mentioned, Bryson. What a great game. Uh, maybe one of the best games ever played in that arena. A memorable game. The highlight of the men's ships, one of the highlights there. To some extent, winning that game set them up for failure because, you know, I think some at that point, 
there was conversation of, hey, maybe we can make the NCAA tournament at that point. You know, maybe we're, you know, there were, I think, a last four in at that point. So in a way, I think that skyrocketed the expectations that maybe were not realistic considering the injuries to Michael Durr and all that. But, man, what a fun night of basketball. And I think, I, as I told you guys afterwards, this is what it's going to be like in the Big 12 on a nightly basis. So it's going to be wild. Uh, hopefully fans are ready for that. But what a memorable game. What a memorable game. All right, next game. All right, next award, we have the Men's Individual Performance of the Year. The nominees are John Rice Plumley against Tulane, T- Taylor Hendricks versus Oklahoma State, C.J. Kelly versus East Carolina. From the baseball team, Lex Bodeker versus North Florida. Three home runs in that game. And then for men's golf, Lewis Carrera and the Hartford Hawks Invitational. Well, John Rice Plumley ran all over too late to the point where if he was healthy in the championship game, he was late, he couldn't run the second meeting in the championship game against Tulane versus the first meeting. If he was healthy the second time, the thinking was, I think UCF wins that game, but he wasn't. But he ran all over too late. They had no answers for him. It's his best game of the year. Uh, and it was tremendous. Like UCF didn't really have to throw the ball that much in that ball game because they, they just had no answer for him. And then t- the Oklahoma State game, you know, that was kind of when we said, hey, this Taylor Hendricks kid's legit. He's the truth. He's real. Because Oklahoma State had a big man of their own in CSA that was really good. And Hendricks led that comeback. UCF was down double digits, came back, won the game in overtime. It was a big part of that. C.J. Kelly was fantastic in the ECU game, took over that game. Got hot, scored 30 points to help them win that game up and against the Pirates. Nick, you were there for the Lex Boderker game mm-hmm. against UNF. Describe that Lex Boderker performance. I don't want to say, by the time he hit the third one, I'm going to be honest, I wasn't surprised anymore. He was just so dominant that game. and it, But at the same time, it's just like, it is surprising because it's like, I mean, it's, Hitting a home run is one of the hardest things to do in sports. So to do it three times is just incredible. And I think even he had lost for words when we asked him about it after the game. Like he had trouble just describing it. He's even so even he couldn't believe it. It, it was a tied nice the single game record, right? Tied the single game yes. record. He tied the single game runs record as well. Three homers, part yep, of a night. Tied the single game said- record and uh, would eventually uh, be a key contributor in tying the. Uh, Overall, or excuse me, breaking broke the single game team record, single game team record, and of course also breaking the season single season record as well. Talk about uh, Bryson the Carrera individual performance. So we mentioned Carrera earlier, breakout year for him, but I would argue argue that from a UCF perspective, because he did have that Latin American amateur performance behind him. As far as a UCF performance goes, his coming out party was the Hartford Hawks Invitational. UCF has been playing in that Invitational for years now and dominant has quite thoroughly dominated in it. But Luis Carrera came in there and he ended up shooting a 16 under par 200 in order to win in, in order to win that in in order to win that invitational i'm pretty sure that's like right there with some of the best 54 hole performances in ucf history in ucf history right there that ties actually for the bet one the lowest 54 hole score performance right there lewis carrera's two uh lewis carrera's 16 
under par 200 to win that game. He won by five strokes, 16 under par. So in a tournament where UCF just thoroughly dominated, Luis Guerrero just dominated the entire field statistically as well. So I would argue one of his one of his most defining performances here at, in his two seasons with UCF. But we have one more men's basketball performance to talk about. Eric, C.J. Kelly's 30-point game. Yeah, I mentioned Kelly. that earlier. He took over that ECU game, got hot, scored 30 points. Really uh, was the difference there to have been beating the East Carolina and winning that game. So that was a tremendous performance there. Let's go to the next category. Next up, Male Athlete of the Year. This is a very, very – honestly, Eric and I were talking about this before the show – that this is one of the more stacked male athlete of the year categories that I think that we've had in a while for a couple of reasons, but we'll get to it. So the nominees are for the men's soccer team, Luca Dorado from the football, from the football team and the baseball team, John Rice Plumley for the men's basketball team, Taylor Hendricks from the baseball team, Ben McCabe, from the men's tennis team, Bogdan Pavel and from the men's golf team, Lewis Carrera. We mentioned Lewis Carrera and Bogdan Vavell several times throughout the show. I think we've really kind of gone through their stories to this point, but we've really been saving him for this moment. So, Eric, tell us about Taylor Hendricks. Historic freshman, obviously, led the – could do it all, could shoot from the perimeter, score from the field, best pro prospect. How many, Think of how many pro prospects we saw at the UCF games this year. I remember the Houston game with Jarris Walker – and Hendricks, as it turns out, we got to see two top 10 picks play on that court, plus Marcus Sasser for uh, Houston, was a 25th pick in the draft. But the guy, easygoing guy, easygoing, had some of the best blocks of the year, which, you know, talking about play of the year, we'll get to with his block against Florida. But he had a great block against Wichita State to win a game, help win a game. Great, good rebounder, could score, could be a double-double guy score from a lot of places the best freshman bas- UCF basketball player probably ever is really what his legacy and his legacy is still to be determined he goes, he's the first UCF player ever to be drafted in the first round first UCF basketball player to be drafted in the lottery um, that's where his legacy will go moving forward as he's with the Utah Jazz we'll see how his pro career is but he has certainly set a standard there to help UCF basketball maybe open some doors for future pro uh recruits to come here because hey i can come to ucf and be a lottery guy um again help them get to the nit and postseason which is interesting about this category because you got john rice Plumley, who played both football and baseball with the quarterback on a ucf team that went to a bowl game won nine games one that started the majority of those games was the leading uh, you know i set the school record for season, single season rushing for a quarterback then comes over and wins the starting center field job and is the center fielder the whole year and has a strong year for this baseball team, part of this historic offense on the baseball side. How many people could say that? That's tremendous. But then you got Ben McCabe, who was an All-American, second best season ever by any UCF baseball player, 19 home runs, too short from Chris Duffy's record in 2010, uh, set the career home run record. And what's fascinating is he's actually the most decorated player of this whole nominees here. He's the only All-American of these candidates, which people may not remember that. And it, so it's so fascinating because Hendricks is going to get a lot of votes and might win this because of recency bias. The NFL, the NBA draft, I think will influence a lot of that. But I will remind people he did not necessarily win the rookie. He didn't even win the rookie of the year. 
in the American, a freshman. That went to Walker. I know people were upset about it. They felt he got robbed. I, whatever. You saw why Walker got, you know, he was pretty good too. But the one thing that's interesting about McCabe is he's the All-American. And then Luca Dorado was the goal scorer for this men's soccer team. And if they would have had a better season, he would be talked about for Male Athlete of the Year. Let me ask you this, Nick. Give me your thoughts on McCabe and Plumlee, the ba- you know, because you saw Plumlee from the baseball perspective and I actually saw him as well playing quarterback. And then obviously McCabe. Well, JRP, I mean, I think the fact that he was a huge star on two different teams, like I know you think Taylor Hendricks is going to get it, but I think the fact that uh, JRP was a huge uh, factor on two teams could give him some points for our fans. Watching him in baseball, like I would argue he had more impact on the baseball team than he did on the football team. He, I'm trying to remember his exact stat but I'm pretty sure he had an over 300 batting average. He had some clutch hits and he was one of the better offensive players. And every time he got on the base, I felt very comfortable because we know he's fast. He was a guy you could rely on stealing some bases. And not to mention when he was in the outfield, he made some incredible catches. Ones I can't <laughs> describe it. And if I tried to, it would, I wouldn't be doing them justice. All I can say is go look him up, but the best baseball player, was Ben McCade. And we're talking about drafting. The MLB draft's coming up soon. I, I'm i expecting to hear that man's name get called soon. I think he'll be where that'll be. I don't know if I can predict that. One but, other, oh, go ahead. One other factor from Ben McCade that I think is overlooked, it overlooked is he came back to the catcher position after not really playing catcher a lot the previous season because of an injury. He was able, the injury allowed it still, he was able to hit. He was still able to do that, but he was not able to catch. And so he comes back to catching for the first time in a good while. And he was one of the top ranked as one, one of the top catchers in collegiate baseball by D one baseball. I think it was at number five at one point, number five catcher in the country, something like that. And in a team of home run hitters, Ben McCabe, was the was the home run hitter of home run hitters to the point where he could be he is now the new all-time home run king and just so everyone is and just to dispel the argument of oh he had an extra season because of the covid year if you eliminate the covid year he still would have won it he still would have been the home run king by like four right like four he still would have like convincingly beaten chris duffy in terms of home runs so Look, I I think this is a fascinating uh, debate here because you have Hendricks, probably, you know, is the best talent, team success. I mean, how do the fans, you know, some people think, like I do, that the NIT, that is team success. 19 wins NIT. Some look at it as a disappointment. I don't know. Then you've got JRP, helped UCF to a bowl game. You have him winning record with baseball, but now no postseason there. Dorado Bryson. 11 goals among the nation's leaders. He would probably be the front runner for this if men's soccer would have had a better year. But as you mentioned earlier, at a supersized American conference, a great way to describe it was the top three league in the sport. And they just weren't, they were just not consistent enough. They didn't make the NCAA. But you look at the faces for the Sun Belt. And yes, I said Sun Belt. (laughs) soccer because they're going to get overlooked and we saw this even over the weekend while um everybody was celebrating the midnight to the big 12 
Uh, oh, by the way, men's soccer's going to the Sun Belt. They announced uh, somebody. They tweeted that out on Saturday. Whoops. Um, it's going to get some used to. But he's going to be the face for this program. But that's what's so fascinating about this. McCabe and Dorado, I would argue, had the two best individual seasons. Plus, uh, uh, you know, from that standpoint. Or you could even make the case if it's not those two, you know, the, the other one who had a great individual season uh, from the nominees here was a Lewis Carrera and Pavel also had great individual. But the problem is their teams weren't as successful. So I'm re- it's a fascinating category because the team success, maybe not up to par. So how do you evaluate this? But then you have Hendricks who makes history by being drafted in the lottery, which goes in his favor, whereas Ben McCabe will probably get drafted, but he's not going to get drafted nowhere near where Hendricks is. This is such a facet. This is the most compelling male athlete of the year that we've had here at the Bannies, to be honest with you, in a lo- in a while. I really do believe that. I-, I think it's a fascinating one. I could, To me, I could see three, four guys getting votes very easily on this. I'm really curious where the fans will go with this. Uh, probably Hendricks because of the recency bias, but I don't think it's an open. I don't think it's a no pun intended. Well, no pun intended here. I don't think this is a slam dunk by Hendricks to win this. Oh, Eric. All right, um, move on. Move on. Next up. All next right. Time. Next. All right. Next up, we have the men's play of the year. Uh, we split this. We this uh, play of the year is usually a unisex award, but this year we decided to split it up because there are just so many different plays from both the men's and the women's side to honor. So here we go. First up, we have John Rice Plumley's touchdown run versus Tulane. Then we from the baseball team, John Rice Plumley again robbing a home run. Against Clemson. How many athletes could say <laughs> two play top plays for two different sports? Then we have Taylor Hendricks's block against Florida in the NIT game. Luca Dorado's goal against Char- in UCF men's soccer is one of the more defining victories of the season for them against Charlotte. And then and then we have the holy holler against in the against USF in the war on I-4 that clinched them the game nick what's your thoughts here i feel like the holy holler is gonna win this this is gonna win the fan vote i would imagine this is probably gonna win within the staff is that where you're going with this too give me your thoughts on this category yeah that is where i'm going part of that is probably because i was there live and i will never forget my reaction of going well there you go why why, why what are you doing why are you throwing that oh my god he overthrew him wait did he catch that oh my god you know i literally remember my reaction it's an incredible catch. It won him the rivalry game. It allowed me to walk out of the stadium acting like Aaron Rodgers when he scored that touchdown on the Bears, you know, when he was screaming, we own you. I got to be that when, when I was leaving Raymond James Stadium. And it's probably one of the most, it's one of the most electric, impressive, and iconic plays that you'll ever see from the UCF football team. And because of that, as well as the high profileness of it, considering it is a football play, I think that it will win it, but that I don't, I don't think that should be used to disrespect some of the other uh, plays on this list. I mean, go back and watch that Taylor Hendricks block. That's just incredible. Go and look at, or, or go look at that JRP t- touchdown run. Also incredible. Or his guys all incredible. These are all great plays. It's just that one is just so much hype. It's just such a, on a higher profile. And in my mind, just a little more impressive because I mean, if that, thrower his foot is just an inch off that's not a touchdown and because of that 
I think that's why I'm, that's why I'm picking it, and I think that's why most people are going to pick it too. I know you mentioned okay. it earlier in the show, Eric, that uh, Javon Baker's catch from the J- Baker's catch might have been the more crucial play of that drive. But I really, I, I, I honestly think that the most athletic play, ho- the Holy Holler, I think is still the most, the more athletic play of the two because you had to have because two things. There were two things that Alec Holler had to do there. There was the one hand. There was the one-handed catch that was going out of bounds and then he had to be able to just drag his toes in bounds in order for it to be a touchdown that was oh so close from being ruled an incomplete pass because his knee was so close to hitting the ground out of bounds i mean say what you will about that javon baker catch but the holy holler i think was was just a more athletic play of the two. And like Nick said, no disrespect to all the other catches. I mean, John Rice Plum, he got two plays on here. I think that's an honor in and of itself, but in and of itself, Taylor Hendricks block helped, we helped them win that game in the NIT. Luca Dorado. I think that uh, Luca Dorado, that was like a beauty of a goal to win to that helped them get ahead in that game, in that game against Charlotte, that really put some wind, I think, in the UCF men's soccer sales. Unfortunately, it didn't lead to what it it didn't lead to much at, in the games ahead. But that one game and that one play, that one moment, Luca Dorado, just absolute beauty in the game of soccer. So I think this is another really, I, I think, I I, I want to say compelling in the sense that these plays are all very compelling and we can only do so much justice. So fans, be sure to go and w- click the links below in the in the section on men's play of the year and watch these plays for yourself before making the decision. Don't just, don't just, you know, don't just let the high profileness of the holy holler you know, to be your deciding factor and be sure to watch these plays for yourself before you decide. All right. What's next uh, category? All right. Next up, we have men's team of the year. This is a two horse race here. It's between football and men's basketball. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a a high profile every year. So yep. who's, who is it this year? So so I will make the case for basketball because I know uh, I think Nick, you're. Or let me just say, let me just say this, Nick. Are you leaning? You're on the football side on this. I'm split. I really don't know which one I want to pick. <laughs> Bryson, have you made a decision yet? Uh, I, I yes, I have. I I think I am going. I think I am going to be on the men's basketball side, and the reason that I am is because of the fact that they had to change is because of the changeover. There were barely any holdovers from last year's raw, the last year's roster. And the ones that were, were injured. Darius Johnson and CJ Walker were injured for some portion, if not a lot of the year. So to see this men's basketball team that would literally just came together for the most part, that off season do as well as they did make it to the post season, the NIT and beat Florida. That's their Gasparilla bowl moment right there. That's their Gasparilla bowl moment. They beat Florida in the N in the NIT. They had the double overtime victory against Memphis. I mean, I know that you, I know that you said that game inflated our expectations, but there's a reason those expectations were inflate were inflated because they beat a ranked team that were coached by Penny Hardaway without Darius Johnson or CJ Walker, who we and Michael Durr, who we all thought would be very, very key and necessary for UCF men's soccer to be men's basketball to be even, even competent this year. So to see them get that win against such a great team without them was like, was the, the thought of going through everybody's mind is, oh my gosh, if this is what we can do without them, what can we do with them? 
So I think the that with all that, all the all those factors, the turnover, the turnovers, the the turn the the let the the no the lack of holdovers, the success that we were this bet team was able to sustain despite all that. I, I I think that that it's the the ones that deserve the win there. Well, I would vote I would vote men's basketball too. And here's the thing, right? Because the argument is, well, they finished didn't finish well. They didn't make the NCAA. Well, you know what? Football didn't make the New Year's Six. Didn't win a conference title either. And they didn't finish well either. When you look back in November, losing to Navy at home with a chance to really. All they had to do was beat Navy and South Florida. They're hosting the conference championship game. They didn't do that. They lost at East Carolina in a, in a game where if they win, more than likely they host a game day. That didn't happen. They lose at Tulane. If they win that, they're playing New Year's Six. None of that happened for football. Yet, for whatever reason, we have some, and I think it's deemed basketball is a, bigger, a little more of a disappointment, even though they made the NIT and did beat Florida there. It really comes down to what, how you value the NIT and how do you value the football in nine-win season. Again, this is a hot topic internally. Uh, I know that because the, the guys, you know, there's disagreements within the staff, and I'm sure fans will disagree with that as well. I'm really interested to see about this, how this vote turns out. The pot, If you're making the case for football, Nick, what's your case for football? They did manage to get to the conference championship game, and you could argue they could have won that if it was not for injuries. Yes, they had some big losses, but they also had some big wins. They beat not one, but two ranked teams in Cincinnati and Tulane. They And they were ranked at certain points of this year. And I don't know. The way I just see it is like both you can view both teams the same way. They could have done so much more, but they were hampered by injuries. Now you do make a case. The ranking wins does value there. So we'll see. We'll see what the fans decide. We'll see what the well, how this votes goes, turns out. This is fascinating. Probably the most even matchup in our years of doing the bannies for male team athlete of the year. This is the only other one I can think of that was difficult was the year that men's basketball won the team of the year when they made the final four in the NIT. They edged out baseball who won the conference regular season title in 2017. Little did we know that would be the last best shot baseball would ever have to win this Banny Award. Um, anyway, moving on. Next topic. All right. Next up, we have next up we have the alumni of the year. We always like to spotlight our alumni, UCF alumni at the Banneret. And so we always make sure we keep an eye on what they do in the professional sports world. And we all and we give an award to those that have had a standout performances in their respective sports, whether it is as a player or a coach. And we have a very nice list for you all this season. So here we go. We have Ben Lively, who ma- who managed to make an MLB comeback and make and make a start with the Cincinnati Reds. We have Aaliyah White, a former UCF softball pitcher who is now in a, a pitching coach with North with North Georgia that won the D two national championship this year. We have Maddie Rogers, Olympic weightlifter, who continues to go on the weightlifting circuit and continues winning medals over there. Dylan Moore got himself a sweet new contract with the Seattle Mariners and was a part of their run in the M- in the MLB playoffs. First time in a while that they've made it there. Richie Grant in the Atlanta Falcons in the NFL, making his name there. Latavius Murray continues in, a, in, a, in an NFL where running back careers are so short. He continues to hang on as he hang on. It was going with the hang on going with the Saints and then get signed. Signed later. It, the length of his career is amazing. And he got inducted into the UCF Athletics Hall of Fame 
I mean, that's I didn't think we'd have a UCF Hall of Famer in this in, in an alumni of the year. But look at that. We have Gabe Davis. His achievements with the Buffalo Bills need no introduction right there. And then Sean Johnson, who is who has signed a new who is now have has a deal with Toronto FC. And he is currently playing with Team USA in the CONCACAF Gold Cup. It's a, it's it's well, a snack, snack yeah. well, not only that. Remember, last November, Sean Johnson was on the U.S. national team roster that was in the World Cup in Qatar. First UCF alum to ever be part of a World Cup on the men's side. That's why he has my vote. I have a feeling he's the favorite to win this. Nick, anything you want to add here to any of the categories before we move on? I mean, you kind of nailed it there. He has my vote, too, because did, he did, sure he didn't play in the World Cup, but like, it's the World Cup. It's where the best of the best go. And just to get there is a huge achievement and something a lot of guys take pride in. And I and I followed the U.S. national team like very religiously. And I remember a lot of people thinking did, who didn't even think he would be on it. We all thought it was going to be Zach Steffen, but he makes it. And then afterwards, he still goes. I mean, just a few days ago before we were recording this, he recorded a shutout in the Gold Cup. And tonight they just won six nothing. So they're moving on. So he keeps show, so he keeps showing up. I mean, he's at it. How, how old is he? He's like mid 30s, right? He's been playing in the I MLS so, for early mid thirties, right? Yeah, he's at an age where like fourteen season guys, in the MLS. Yeah, right. Well, he's at an age where like a lot of guys like wouldn't be given the time of day by the national team, but he keeps going because he's just so talented. But thirty-four. He's thirty-four. He's thirty-four. Yeah, a lot of guys like their national team career is over by that age. He's still going, and it looks like he's still got a lot of years left in him. And it's just the fact that he was good enough to be selected at the World Cup. Who knows if we ever see something like that again? That's why he's got my vote. He, you can make the argument from a UCF soccer alum, him, him and Winston DeBose, UCF Athletic Hall of Famer, who's also in the Florida Sports Hall of Fame, probably the two best pro careers coming out of UCF from a soccer standpoint, from what they've accomplished internationally and professionally. It's a little tease here. We're doing the male top 100 rankings list. Right now, right now on blackandgoldbanneret.com. Sean Johnson is going to be up there. You'll see. You might be surprised where he's ranked, but what he's accomplished here is amazing. His MLS career is tremendous. He won an MLS Cup a couple years ago with New York, not having the success this year at Toronto. But you make a World Cup roster. Hello on the men's side. We take that for granted on the women's side because the greats like Michelle Akers, has been there a bunch of times for the U.S. national team. Even this year's Women's World Cup, UCF alums are well represented with Kanya Plummer for the Jamaican national team, Kathy Sousa on the Brazilian national team, even Coach Sahadak on the U- on the U.S. national team staff, et cetera, et cetera. We don't have that on the men's side. So I think Sean Johnson, tremendous there. And also, I would argue right now, and see if you guys agree or disagree with this, Richie Grant right now is the best UCF football player that's playing in the NFL. Agree, disagree. I think a lot of people would argue Gabe Davis, but if you look at the past season, yeah, no, I agree with you. Richard Grant had the better career. Gabe Davis kind of just took a step back. I'm hoping better he season, bounces, yeah. I'm hoping think, he bounces back, but yeah. I also think Richie Grant is due for a big breakout season this next year. So I'll be interested to see what he does. I I think I would I think I would agree with you on that. Gabe Davis, I think I think a big thing with him is that Gabe really got a lot of buzz after his uh, record-breaking uh, playoff game, four touchdowns. 100%. 100%, again, four touchdowns that's what it is. Which is a really great game, by the way. Like, really, really great game. 
but you can also kind of factor in that he really took advantage of a bad pass defense in that one. Hey, so, beat up on Mike Hughes or buddy teammate there, UCF. Holy mackerel. That was look, a couple of years ago, by the way, that Chiefs game. Yeah. Yes, but yes, exactly. And so this year, you know, so this past NFL season, it looked like he seemed to kind of take a step back from that perspective. And so this look at Richie Grant kind of take advantage of that 123, 123 tackles, 70 on 70 of them on his own two interceptions. I mean, look, Gabe Davis may be on the more successful team in the Buffalo bills, but the, the Richie Grant, I think is going to be one of the re one of the reasons that the Atlanta Falcons could come back and really, and, win, and might be my, yeah. And they could be the favorites in the NFC South. Sorry, Nick. I know, you know, I like the bucks, you know, you're a bucks fan, but it's a kind of a rebuild. It looks like in Tampa Bay, he could be a big part of that Falcon team there. Again, top 100 male athletes going on right now in black and gold You can make the case. Richie Grant's the greatest defensive back in UCF football history, but it's all said and done. That's yeah. how, I mean, he's off to a fantastic, I think there's some Pro Bowls ahead of him. Anyway, we, we that's our alumni conversation. Uh, and and by the way, shout out to Leah White, pitching coach, North Georgia, win the national title. That's a good start to a coaching career. Her and Chad Matola, who's been previously nominated in this category, who probably should be nominated here, could be nominated next year, depending on how the Rays finish this year. Matola's got the top offense in uh, Major League Baseball, but Aaliyah White, Led North Georgia, one of the best pitching staffs in the country to a national title. All right, Bryson, what's next? All right, next up we have the comeback player of the year. We always like to spotlight spotlight players who have had to overcome adverse adversity in order to succeed at, in UCF sports. So here we go. We have RJ Harvey, who ever since he arrived at UCF, it feels like he you know he's he's been recovering from injury and he finally had his breakout season this year with the with the football team. For the women's soccer team, you have Mia Asenho, who was out her entire true freshman season. She had to take a medical red shirt, and she went on to be named to the all-conference rookie team for the Amer in the American. For the women's tennis team, you have Anique Kattenberg. Anique Kattenberg, injure, uh, Anique Kattenberg injured her leg early on last year, last year and had not seen game action for a very long time until her team needed her to step up when everyone else on the team got hurt. She took up the court number six spot and did extremely well to help to help keep earn some points for the women's tennis team to keep them above 500. I get uh, 500. You have Bogdan Pavel who had a wrist injury this fall and came back to have it one of his best singles dual singles dual match seasons and get back to the NCAA men's doubles championship with a new partner in Leighton Kranji. And then you have the baseball team's Nick Romano, who has been out a majority of the past two seasons. And despite the struggles of the men of the men's baseball team this year, this year, Nick Romano was able to put together that full season and join a baseball team that was one of the best, the best hitting that we, that we have seen. He played, hit a three nineteen batting average this season. Nick Romano, Nick Romano did with ten home runs, forty one RBIs. I mean, look for a guy that was injured for so long the past two seasons had a freak ACL injury last year. The last year to see him do what he did this year and play a full season and do that was quite remarkable but like so i think this is another very compelling award this year nick you want to add a, that was a good description by bryce but i'll leave you get the last word on this before we move to the next category uh i mean he summed it up pretty best all i'll say is i'm because of how long he was gone like not just one season two nick Ramon is my choice 
that you can overcome a serious, serious injury there. Probably him yeah. and RJ Harvey too, but it's, I mean, it's yeah. the most heartwarming one when you really think about it. Like that's the one that you like, just like, you're like, you, you, you just have a big smile when you read about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Just the number of games, he barely played at all previous two seasons because of those injuries. So to see him come yeah. back and play a full year, RJ Harvey as well. I mean, the considering what he did in this season, like he really broke out and this was after, you know, injuries kept him out for a very long time uh, is a long time, you know, uh, we all, this is why I, I always love comeback player of the year, because there's some really great stories to be had from players like this. Uh, and right, now, what's next? Last and, one. Yes, this is our final award, and I saved this one for last for a reason. It is the moment of the year. This is the award where we combine every aspect of, of, of the moment, whether it is off on the field, off the field implications. We put everything into account as, as we as we use the, as for this award. This is why we save it for last. For last, this is the moment that really I think defines this athletic season so here we go from the women's soccer team winning the american athletic conference regular season title finding out they won it after winning after beating houston for the volleyball team winning the american athletic conference title against houston that last that last kill from mckenna melville to win the to win that co-share of the share of the title from the football and the baseball team we have john rice plumley's double header going from the baseball to the baseball game to the spring football game from the softball team. We have Cindy ball Malone's fist bump after the double play at the Memphis American athletic conference tournament game. And then from the men's basketball team, we have Taylor Hendricks getting his name called as a lottery pick in the, in the 2023 NBA draft. It is. These are some really great moments this year, Eric. That is strong there. Very strong category. A lot of ways you could go with that. Nick, what what's your thoughts there? Where do you want to start with on that one? I would expect because of the recency bias, I think our every our fan vote might lean the way towards Taylor Hendricks. And he has a great argument for it. I mean, to hear a guy get called on a, for a lottery pick in, in any sport is incredible. But to be, to be the first ever one, was great. I mean, you can watch our live reaction to it. I'm going crazy. It was awesome. But, and of course, then you have us winning our championships. I mean, there's no better moment than that. Because you, there's nothing better than winning a championship. But to me, the thing that I'm going to give my vote for is JRP's double play. And I'll tell you why. It's because, Eric, of you. You actually convinced me when I was listening to your broadcasts. When, when, in the highlights, you can see it. He's driving away. And then you say... We may never see this again. That's why I'm picking it because every other moment, arguably and hopefully, we will see again. We will see our teams win championships. Hopefully, we're going to see more lottery picks. Will we ever see a player play a baseball game, leave, and go play spring football? I don't think we're ever going to see that again. That is a once in a lifetime thing, right there, and that's why I'm and that's why I'm picking it. Wow, that's that's pure pressure on me. <laughs> Um, so I, I, I think you spoke very well, the, the volleyball one, I want to add some context to that. Obviously they didn't win the automatic bid. They did share the title. They win that point. Obviously Bryson, would you agree with this? What adds to that moment is the celebration because it turns out, obviously it's McKenna's last match at home. It's Amber Olsen's last moment at home as well among the seniors too. That's where the main, and it just had a, an unbelievable match. 
the women's soccer moment, they were all getting together and watching as USF lost uh, at Cincinnati, which locked it up for UCF after they had just beaten Houston, and that was emotional because that was the goal, right, Bryce? Because you've written about this with Delisle and the Kristen Scotts, the Dario Rajai, that group that's been there for a long time. A lot of things have gone against them, but they were able to get over the hump. They were, they were. That moment to me, I'm it, 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 JRP's doubleheader is amazing, but and it, it may still win my vote in the end, but it, I, I can't discount the other ones. And this is one for me, the women's soccer moment really sticks with me even so many months later. Be, and I still remember looking out and watching the team huddled together around that phone, watching the USF game. And I'm watching too on my phone and I see USF lose and I'm looking at the team and ce- celebrating. And then I notice Kristen Scott. I notice her, like I see her like getting hugged by several of her teammates. And then I just see her kind of step back from the crowd, her hands over her face like this. I still remember that moment and looking at that kind of, it looked like everything kind of hit her right in that moment. Like they want it for, they have been chasing, they have been chasing that AAC title for five years and they finally and they and they finally did it. And then right as she was doing that, you know, uh, doing that, a couple of other player, a couple of players pull her back into the celebration. It was for a women's soccer program that has been that has been very much going through, I think, a bit of a drought in these previous few previous few years to see this group of players finally get it done. And finally reached the goal that they had set for themselves, that set for themselves in their last year together for those seniors, fifth year senior groups. And it's just, it was just a sight to behold. I'll mention the coach Ball Malone fist bump. We all were there. It's a moment I'll never forget. It's an iconic moment. Again, I wish the broadcast would have picked up more on that. Uh, I wasn't calling that. That was a neutral broadcast. If I was in there, I would have pushed the producers to, you know, look at give me give me extra footages of that. Uh, it's a moment I won't forget. That really was the really the turning point that week for that team. They don't win, the, in my opinion, the conference championship without that moment uh, at all. It's something I'll never forget. Uh, you know, because then it led to everything that followed there. Uh, it's like, like I said, the comparison I would make for those that didn't catch. Uh, the uh, the previous uh, talk conversations about this. This is Josh Heupel 2018 against Memphis when he's raising his hands up to get the crowd going, uh, change, help change the momentum of that game. It was the same thing uh, here with Coach Ball Malone at twice. He, uh, I think she's kind of legendary already, to be honest. I think she's the best coach on campus. But I, I was a big turning point. But, bam, Nick. <laughs> my kid, making a great case using my own words here, Bryce. <laughs> I mean, and making the use. Holy to put, macro. To put this into perspective, the moments of this year that we have are the ending of a long conference championship list drought. Yeah. The, the UCF volleyball's last dance. The, basically, the Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders of UCF with John yeah. Plumley. The the Ball Malone fist bump right out of a sports movie right there. Yes. Like, right out of yeah. a sports movie. The, the Josh Heupel like raising his hands and then you have taylor hendricks and the nba getting being a lottery pick in the nba draft what could be a watershed moment in some ways for this ucf men's basketball program we kind of talked about this 
on the live where, where the live where this could be kind of the 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 kind of the kick the kind of the kick that the program needs to get some more support to show that hey UCF basketball can produce at talent like this like this and we could probably do more if we had more support behind them. So I think that the, the implications of the Taylor Hendricks moment is also not to be looked over. So all of these moments, I, I have some sort of grandiosity to them, some sort of catharsis to them, that intrigue, uh, drama to them. I mean, this, even though this was our last year in the American, I'm sure there's going to be a more more amazing moments to come in the big, tw- in the big 12 um, heck, I mean, even uh, heck, um, I think uh, our transition into the Big 12 probably could have been nominated had it technically been a moment of this year, but it was really a transition moment between years. But I like to give them out to athletes but, anyway. But in this, yeah. but in this last year, it, but in this last year in the American, there was still drama to, to drama and catharsis to be had uh, to be had. There's there's not a moment here that I don't think deserves to win in isolation. Any other given year, all those ones we just mentioned could have easily been the front runner to win this award, but they're all going against each other. It's pretty amazing. That's why we need your help. Make sure you vote. Vote for all this category. Make sure you vote for all the categories because I'm conflicted on some of these. So you could help me persuade this. You could help me make your case. That was a pretty good case Nick made there for JRP using my own words. Podcast. How can I go wrong? I don't disagree with it. I mean, I did say it. How can I go against myself? But you all can decide. On blackandgoldbanneret.com, check out the Banny Award nominations uh, on a YouTube channel. Obviously, you have this video as well, but on, on the articles as well. Vote uh, for all these categories, Bryce, and tell them one last time how they can be involved. You you can go uh, you can click on the link in the description below if you're on YouTube. We can go ahead and provide a link for you guys to go to the article on the blackandgoldbanneret.com for you to vo- vote on there. Uh, for this this video will be on the article where all the men's categories are going to be along with the other unisex categories that we just mentioned. And if you're seeing this video first, then we urge you to go to our women's votes as well, our female awards votes as well, because, you know, we said we talked about how it was a stacked year for the women for the women's athletes as well. So if you have already already voted for the men's awards, go vote for the women's awards because we need your help over there, too. So be sure to either click the link in the description below, or if you're watching this on the, on the article itself, scroll down and be be an informed voter and go check out these players and moments for yourselves and pick because uh, you guys are going to be a big factor in deciding who wins these things. So go vote, go vote, be informed, be be informed, go vote for everything at all possible, and be sure to try vote for every single every single award because every single vote matters. And that'll uh, that's our Banny's nomination show. Uh, it's been fun. Bryson Turner, Nick Porcelli. It's been a pleasure, gentlemen. It's been a lengthy, nice pleasure, good project we're working on here <laughs> once again on that check it out black and we'll have the banny awards nominations where you can vote as, as bryson mentioned we're also going to have the top 100 male athletes rankings continuing we're going to have the eventually after that the top 100 female athletes of all time top 30 head coaches of all time you see that is still lots of content folks coming on this off season the season the just because there's no games going on this i mean there's not a lot going on uh, as UCF now in ventures to the Big 12, part of this celebration is all this content on blackandgoldbanneret.com. And don't forget, because then, because then, of course, we will also have the award reveal show where we will reveal 
all the the winners of the, the of the 2023 Banny Awards. Be sure to vote quickly because the votes aren't going to stay open for a while. Haven't decided on how long it's going to be. Maybe it'll be open for a week. Maybe it'll be two weeks. I don't know. So be sure as soon as you hear this to go vote as soon as possible. Fantastic. Well, that'll do it for these Banny's Awards for Bryson Turner and Nick Porcelli. I'm Eric Lopez. Thank you for tuning in to the Banny's Awards nomination show.